You're listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. Hello and welcome to the Video Game Sequel Cast. The Video Game Sequel Cast is a podcast that looks at video game franchises. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Thrasher, player number two. And you can check out our website at sequelcast.com or look at the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast. And um, this time around, we're going to, like I said, primarily be focusing on the Nintendo uh, Star Fox games released for the different systems. What games am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about Star Fox Star Fox 64, Star Fox Adventures, Star Fox Assault, Star Fox Command, and Star Fox 64 3D. But before we uh, touch on that, Thrasher, you ran across an interesting piece of research relating to the Star Fox name. Yes, that there were in fact uh, two other games called Star Fox that were released in uh, 1983. One was for the Atari 2600 system, which... It, which only which is only nine ninety five for the cartridge, and then the other one was uh, a PC game that was done in uh, nineteen eighty seven that was compatible with the Commodore sixty four. I see. That's uh, it's interesting. I didn't know that. I the only thing I knew Star Fox from is from the, um, you know, the Nintendo series, which we'll be talking about. Yeah, I just stumbled across this while doing some basic research. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, Star Fox, uh, the first one, came out for the Super Nintendo in 1993, and, um, this is, I played the shit out of this game, and in fact, it's the only Star Fox game I've played, so you'll be doing most of the talking this episode, Thrasher. Oh, I loved it. And yeah, me too. I mean, so 1993, you gotta think of, uh, what systems are, you had Super Nintendo, you had Sega Genesis, you had, like, the Jaguar was out, you had the Sega CD was out at that time. And to yep. get the the polygon, you know, even though it's not really textured, but the polygonal look of Star Fox on a on a cartridge system like the Super Nintendo was a huge uh, a huge deal for the time. Well, well, the way they did it is that it had it had less to do with the Super Nintendo's hardware and more to do with a uh, the Super FX chip, which was uh, which was uh, put into the game cartridge itself. Yeah, it could render that uh, those polygon graphics a bit better. And there wasn't a whole lot of games that were released uh, with the uh, Super FX chip. Like Stunt uh, Stunt Race FX was uh, another one. Uh, I think Mega Man X2 had a boss that used the Super FX chip for the rotation. Now, I know that they had... Uh, the... the uh... The the Donkey Kong Country didn't use that, did it? Because I know the Donkey no, Kong Country no. had they had to beef up the hardware, of the cartridge itself. That wasn't the FX chip, though. No, they had to beef up the the memory on the cartridge to do all the graphics. But uh, right, yeah, uh, Yoshi's Island used the Super FX chip, the Mario World too. But yeah, back to Star Fox. You know, at the time, the only real space game I was familiar with was a uh, Wing Commander. Yeah, that was almost, uh, well, there was a Super Nintendo and I believe a Sega Genesis version. That pretty much was for the PC only. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but uh, Star Fox was more of an arcade kind of 
experience and just to not only see a game with these at the time really amazing 3d graphics i mean you look at the original star fox now and it's just like blocks and triangles and very vivid colors but not no detail because the the system simply couldn't support something like that and yet though i think those big blocky colors and and sharp elegant uh lines and and corners i honestly think they really help star fox it's not as if they hit a technological wall and then stopped. They made the limits of the technology work for them. I mean, you can instantly tell. If you look at a Star Fox screen capture, you can instantly tell what game you're looking at. And if you've played the game, you can tell exactly where in the game that that was taken. Right. And also that this game had voices made it pretty unusual. Now, mind you, the voices were all speaking in gibberish. Oh, yeah. yeah. But whenever, still, the, whenever the characters spoke, you'd get a little kind of noises. At the end of the game, I think you had some actual voice voiceovers in English. It's like, congratulations, Star Fox. And even then, you know, it sounded so uh, muddled. <laughs> yeah, they should have stuck with the gibberish. It's no, the adventures of Bayou Billy. Right. And uh, one thing I really enjoyed about Star Fox is after that first level, you could kind of pick between three different paths, a sort of an easy, medium, and hard mode, if you will, but each one had different levels and uh, and things, and depending on which one you completed, you got a different ending to the game. Yeah, well, that that was one of the, the really brilliant design choices that they made, is that, I mean, for all intents and purposes, each level is is a kind of boxed canyon, but the the saving grace is that they give you lots of room to move around in that canyon to the point that some of those box canyons have different – some of the levels have different paths, but also once you leave the uh, – was it uh, Aquilia is the main planet? I think so, yeah. Arquilia. Well, like what, once you leave, once you leave the starting planet, yeah, you get to choose a path through space to the Evil Toad, uh, to Doctor Andros's planet, and and each one of those paths plays differently and offers its own challenges. And even then, there were all sorts of hidden things, such as that I believe there's a wormhole that lets you jump from one path to another. Uh, there are there are variant levels. There are like secret entrances and back doors into the level. And of course, there's also if you take that route that goes along the bottom of the map, if you play it right, you can do the parallel dimension levels. Did you ever a, unlock those? I did. Where it's like a slot machine. Well, yeah. Where like instead end. of fighting like spaceships, you enter a world where you're fighting paper airplanes and origami creations, and at the end is a giant slot machine, and you can beat the game by by winning. By uh by defeating that giant flying slot machine, it is amazing, and it's not just like it's a whole working level. It's not just some fun bit of bonus content. They really thought about the design of that section, right? And uh, that uh, on the last, uh, I think you misnamed the first planet. The first level is called Corneria. Oh, Corneria. That's that was the main. And planet. the last one is always Venom, but then the levels in the middle are different. And uh, the planet Venom at the end, I remember you fight this boss that's like this big uh, polygonal face that's just shooting. He sucks stuff up and then he shoots it back at you. Yeah, it's really and he's and he's creepy. It's, it's a 
I don't know. I don't know how deep into the lore of of it of the game you got, but like that that is a uh, that is Doctor Andros, this mad scientist who's taken over the Toad civilization, and that's his that's his command center. He has more or less put his consciousness in this like massive supercomputer, and that polygonal face is the expression of that supercomputer. That's why when you blow it up, there's that cube inside with the uh, monkey face on all six sides. That's the core of the consciousness. I see. I, I love the move in Star Fox where you tap the R button twice and the ship spins around. If you if a laser hits you at that point, you can deflect the laser. It was a nice touch. I mean, it was just full of all these nice touches, like you know, getting speed boost rings, getting the rings that would repair or upgrade your ship. Hmm. Oh, and just the fact that like damage. It actually like mattered where you took damage. You, your wings could break off. The laser pods could break off. Yeah, that's right. It was it was really nice, and like it it was it was one of the first games where it really felt like there were real specific consequences for the way you were playing the game. Yeah, I, I recall at the time I subscribed to Nintendo Power magazine, and they did a, a comic strip that I think lasted a whole year. It's not longer. Game. It was a really good comic. Uh, that was uh, actually. Let me see if I can uh, find the 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 author for that. Oh gosh! Nintendo Power at the time, you know, they did like a Mario comic and a Zelda comic that like ran for a whole year. They did a Metroid one as well. Uh, yes, you're right. Yep. Oh, here it is. It ran from issue 45 to 55, and Nintendo Power it was illustrated by uh, Benimaru Ito. Okay, but it was really cool, and like it really, and I like that they really gave they gave the character of, of Fox McCloud a really deep, rich background, and they even gave an explanation for that parallel universe that there was a mm. that his father was a test pilot that fell through a wormhole and entered that parallel universe and was now a pilot of a living ship that 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 that, that space whale that you could encounter uh, during that one level. Now, the, the next game in the series, Star Fox 64, came out on the Nintendo 64, and I never owned that system. But t- did you, Thrasher? Uh, I didn't, but my brother did, although he didn't have Star Fox for it. Although, But my friends, the Schaefers, did. And we uh, I never played uh, – I don't think I played any of the main campaign for that, but like hanging out at their house, we would play a lot of the multiplayer, hmm. which was a real nice inclusion. I've uh, haven't played the single player of Star Fox 64, but I have played multiplayer, and you could either do it like in the spaceship or in a tank or on foot. Yeah, which is like the multiplayer is fun, but at the same time, when when you're playing a flight simulator, being put in control of a tank does seem kind of a step backwards. I mean, some of the tank stuff yeah. was fun, but at the, at the same time, it also just seemed it seemed odd. That that you're going to have a tank in in a game about a flying fox. It could, yeah. I don't know what they were trying. I mean, you know, at the time, you know, GoldenEye uh, for Nintendo sixty four had a big multiplayer mode where you split up the screen, but it also just oh. made the frame rate run all to shit too. Well, I mean, some games handled it better than others. And uh, Star Fox sixty four is a pack in had the Rumble Pack for the Nintendo sixty four where you'd have to plug oh, yeah. this into the controller and put batteries in there and then make the controller vibrate. And I believe that that fit into the spot that was supposed to contain the memory card, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, the, the Nintendo 64 did become a real Frankensteinian system as a, after a while. There was that port in the back for a uh, for a 
new processor you had to get in at one point. There was the on the controller there was a spot for a memory card, but that's also where you put the rumble pack. Uh, and just the memory cards were, were very frustrating because they were expensive and you needed that to save your games on a lot of games. But some games didn't require that for a save. Some games could do it internally. Yeah, and that was a big deal with the Nintendo 64. You know, it was a cartridge system on all the competitors like uh, Sony and Sega had CD-based systems. So you could fit less um, data on a cartridge than a CD and the cartridges were more expensive to produce. It, but they did they did run faster. They, yeah, they did run faster because of less loading times off a cartridge than a CD. But yeah. that also made the Nintendo sixty four games cost a lot more money in some cases. Yeah, I think I think the best thing about the sixty four was that controller. That was it, I didn't quite get it at when it first came out, but after a while, I really warmed up to it. That was a brilliant controller. Everything was where it needed to be. It was really ahead of its time. Well, you know what I love? The fact that the button you need to press the most often is the biggest button. Yes. It's right there. You cannot miss it. I think it might have been one of the first controllers with some sort of ergonomics in mind. Yeah, yeah. Although I felt like it was made for really tiny hands. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I guess that's its only real design flaw. So what did you think of the single player in Star Fox 64? Because they kind of like it's kind of like a remake of the original Star Fox. Well, I mean, it's the it's the same thing. You're flying missions through space. Only only now there's opportunities to move around in all three dimensions, not just not just traveling down the virtual canyon. And in this one, the characters actually spoke in English. Your uh, wingmen. Which sadly, I do not remember any of the English dialogue. Well, the big internet meme is uh, with do the, a barrel roll. Yeah, from Peppy, from Peppy Hare. Yeah. So. Oh, that's that's something. That's something about about the names. Okay, so you got Fox McCloud, pretty obvious for a fox that flies. Yep. Slippy Toad. Well, Toad's can be slippery. Peppy Hare. Yeah, you want that. And Falco Lombardi. <laughs> like he's the one character with the like the, all of the other characters like. The, like their 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 species is their last name, except for Falco and Fox. <laughs> Just that it seems such a weird specific last name, Lombardi, which yeah, is apparently yeah. a reference to Carlo Lombardi. Well, the Japanese version it's Rombaldi, and that's yeah Carlo Rombaldi, who is the character designer in Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T. Yeah, which, which is fun. I, I like that he always struck me as the stoic badass of the group. Hmm. Like, I like that they had their personalities. Yeah, that definitely uh, definitely gave it something. But uh, And that was, I think, kind of the fun. The, the narrative was so light in these earlier games that in your head you could kind of imagine what adventures these characters had outside of their ships. It, it wasn't, you know, as plot heavy as something like a uh, wing commander where after every mission you're at the bar, you can talk to the characters. Yeah. You can, you know, make sure tr- you could be nice or be a jerk to them. It's just in the mission, you get this chatter. And even though it's the same 10 repeated clips over and over again, you still feel for the characters. Well, it was a lot of implied narrative. Yeah. You know, there was, it was no narrative that got in the way of gameplay. If I could, if I can take a moment to compare this to wing commander, that was one flaw. I did feel in the wing commander series is that the series really, once it started really incorporating cutscenes, the series got really enamored with that to the point where it started to feel like a, a movie that every now and then had breaks for gameplay. But star, star Fox did not have that problem. You were constantly playing. I think in Wind Commander 4, literally the opening movie is 20 minutes long. 
before you get to your first uh, spaceship segment. Oh, yeah. So after Star Fox uh, 64, you know, that came out in 97. The original Star Fox came out in 93. And uh, it would be another... I, I guess it's worth mentioning, too. You know, originally, um, after Star Fox, Star Fox 2 was supposed to be released on the Super Nintendo. But it got scrapped, but a lot of those ideas ended up in Star Fox 64. Well, it's good to know some of that development went somewhere. Right. I think part of it is, um, you know, the time it takes to develop a sequel and the lifespan of the Super Nintendo, that, that transition to the Nintendo 64, it was in their better interest to release something for the newer system. So um, you wouldn't see the Star Fox characters again in their own game proper until many years later in uh, 2002 with Star Fox Adventures for the GameCube. Ah, uh, yeah, which was a weird... That's a weird departure for the series because, you know, the game the GameCube is out. Uh, it's... It's they finally Nintendo's finally moved on to using uh, using a CD. They've got a they've got a, a decently powerful system, uh, and then rather than unloading it or you know rolling out a new Star Fox game that's their sort of that, that would be their flagship uh, flight simulator, instead they make it uh, an adventure game. Yeah, I think originally it was being developed as a game simply called Dinosaur Planet, and then they decided to put Star Fox characters in it. Yeah, which I guess is one way to salvage that production. <laughs> but Star Fox, the big thing of all the other games was the the spaceship sequences and that stuff. As I understand, I never um, played this game, but from the research I did, is really kept to a minimum. It's more of like a three D sort of a Zelda kind of game. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 running around on this planet populated by by dinosaurs and reptile people, and you know, and having a quest for you know, lack of a better term. And when did you uh, play this game? I never did. I didn't have a GameCube. Oh. Uh, this was this was when I was in college. I did not have a GameCube. Uh, every time I went into a game store, though, for like I think three years, this a trailer for this would play on the demo system in the store, and I just looked at it, and it just had nothing in it that interested me. Like I, when I see Star Fox, I want to fly. I just I felt like I, I felt like this was people like Star Fox, people like dinosaurs. Let's have Star Fox run around with dinosaurs. That, that, that no thought was put into making this an interesting game. It, it's I don't know. I, the impression I got was that it was very market driven. Yeah, at the time, it was just really controversial. And then you have the Star Fox name. Before it, it all had been these sort of vehicle based uh, kind of shooters, typically in the spaceships like the R wing, and that you make it all terrestrial and. I mean, okay, I guess I can see putting dinosaurs in there because that's popular with kids, but it's just a weird... It probably shouldn't have been, Frank, it shouldn't have been Star Fox if it just would have been called Dinosaur Planet like it was meant to to begin with. Or if you could just, you know, let's let's be able to get into and out of a vehicle in the... It I mean, look, looking at it now, yeah. like I could, I could dig a space opera adventure game where you play Fox McCloud, but you've got to get them. He's a pilot. You've got to get him into a vehicle at some point. When it is worth mentioning that um, Star Fox Adventures was developed by Rare, who did a lot of games for Nintendo at the uh, for the Nintendo sixty four, like uh, Banjo Kazooie. 
and uh, Conqueror's Bad Fur Day and Donkey Kong Country. Or no. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country. So. Yeah, just like, I, I don't know. I just, I feel, I feel like you did, we were kind of cheated out of a better earlier Star Fox flight simulator uh, because of the, the presence of, uh, of Star Fox Adventures. Like, oh, and I guess the other thing is like, like, like Crystal. The moment I see a purple fox, I'm like, well, well, first you're abandoning the game's roots, where the animals actually have like real colorations. But then two, it's just like sexy female love interest Smurfette character, which at the time I just I had no interest in. Did you play its follow up on the GameCube in uh, 2005, Star Fox Assault? No, but I actually saw it played. Uh, there was uh, again. I never. I never had a GameCube. Uh, I I had a PlayStation Two, and the only reason I had a PlayStation Two was because I had a horrible breakup and wanted to use it as leverage uh, with the with the terrible person that I co bought it with. Uh, it, it was just, uh, and it was, and I even then I barely played any games on it. It was mainly my DVD player. Um, but I did have uh, there. There was a group of uh, I had lots of friends that lived in the dorms at our alma mater, and a lot of them had GameCubes and on the weekends would hook them up to the t- giant TV in the student lounge and yes, would right. uh, would play would play Star Fox and uh, F- the uh, 64 F-Zero. So I did get to hang out with them and uh, and see them play it. It looked fun. It looked like the game that I wanted when Star Fox Adventure came out. Just not having a GameCube, I was never able to, to really dive into it. I never played this one either. It had a multiplayer mode. It um you know focused more on the the vehicles for the most part. Oh yeah, although apparently you could get out of the ships. Hello, my name is Jonathan Dunn, and I'm inviting you to listen to Our Three Cents, a weekly podcast where myself and two of my very best gaming chums are counting down our top 100 favorite video games of all time. For all the episodes and information, check out our website www.ourthreecents.co.uk. Hi, we're Ellen, Stephen, and Mark, hosts of Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. Topics include programming, design, tools, and more. We also do interviews and one-hour game jams. Listen to Nice Games Club wherever you get to your wherever you get to your podcast. You get there, <laughs> or at nicegames.club. Yes, uh, we should also mention, you know, the uh, oh. some of the Star Fox characters were in some of the Smash Brothers games. Oh yeah, it was a. It was mainly. It's mainly like Fox and Falco, right? Well, yeah, and uh, Super Smash Brothers. You had uh, Fox McCloud, and then Falco was in uh, Super Smash Brothers uh, Melee and Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Ah, yeah, and uh, some other characters made uh, cameos in there as well. So, I mean, that's weird in that you have these characters that are, again, meant to be in spaceships, at least in their original intention. Well, I mean, a fighting a... game, you know, you can for, you can forgive them. You know, it's a, it's a fighting game. The characters are going to get out, have a brief brawl, and then go. Uh, it, it would really be unfair to try to work some aspect of spaceship combat into a fighting game. Although, uh, like... I loved I love the Star Fox levels. I love the idea of having a battle on the back of a massive starship. And how sometimes the R wings would come into the frame and start shooting and you'd want to try to knock your opponents into the path of the lasers. Yeah, I mean the dynamic levels in Super Smash Brothers made it very interesting. 
Yeah, and I really wish more fighting games incorporated things like that. I really don't like I don't like it when it's just a generic arena. I love it when the level itself has real character and, and affects the way you play. So uh, the next Star Fox game was a portable title, and in fact, you know, it's it's worth mentioning of the Star Fox, uh, you know, titles in a home console system. Star Fox Assault was the last one. All the ones from here and out are for the portable systems. For the Nintendo DS, you had Star Fox Command. Yep. Have you played this one? Uh, regrettably, no. I believe uh, I believe my brother actually had a copy, uh, and he, he was. It has much more of a, a strategy element, and he was very much into uh, to strategy games uh, on uh, the DS when it originally came out. Yeah, but regret, regrettably, there's not much I can say. Uh, you know, experiencing a game over someone's shoulder is a terrible way to experience a game. Especially in a portable system where you kind of have to lean over to see the screen and you have two screens going on at once. Yep. I always said that second screen does give you a, does give you a nice little radar viewer. Right. But the graphics aren't bad uh, for a handheld, uh, thankfully. Well, no, I mean, the 3DS... Uh, there is some texture to everything. Mm-hmm, and the 3DS capability could... Or, sorry, on the DS uh, could do, you know, like a polygonal graphics and have it look good, unlike when they tried the same sort of thing with uh, a few games on the Game Boy Advance, tried to do, um, you know, 3D-style graphics, and that never worked so well. I mean, it's only, it's only you know, real flaws. It's just on a tiny screen, and that's not the game's fault. That's the system. Right, and I mean, the latest Star Fox game is a, a remake of Star Fox 64 called Star Fox 64 3D for the Nintendo 3DS. Which, it's... This is nice. Uh, I, I've i got a 3DS. I like the 3D technology, and just the... I guess the, the thing with Star Fox 64 uh, 3D is that it's already a tried, true, and tested game, but now it's in 3D and on a handheld. Do you have this game? I do not have it, but they had it. Uh, they had it on the uh, the demo set uh, at a local game store. So I did. I did. Uh, I did play around with it. And the 3D, frankly, the 3D is a is a nice touch. Uh, I don't know. The one thing I have I, I have noticed about a, a number of 3D games, like where there's a where you're moving around really quickly, like Mario Kart uh, for the 3DS. Yeah. I often disable the 3D on that only because the uh, when I'm racing, the 3D can kind of get overwhelming, and, and eventually I can get a bit of eye strain. I get the feeling that the same thing would happen if I played uh, Star Fox 64 3D for more than uh, for more than 10 minutes on the demo set. In the long run, it is a game I do intend to pick up. I mean, it does say something that with uh, remakes they've had on the Nintendo 3DS, the they've done two of them, and they were both the Nintendo 64 games. You know, Mario 64 got a, a remake on the 3DS. And, and well, I mean, any game Star worth Fox playing, 64. any game worth playing is going to be worth playing again. And there's really, and there's no shame in taking a classic game and then updating it a bit to fit the new technology and re-releasing it. Yeah, I think that's one thing that makes um, video games a lot different from movies is that you try and remake a movie. I mean, movies have, movies have changed over the years, but at the end of the day, it's not something you interact with. You're just sitting back and you're watching something. 
Mm, yeah. Special effects might not hold up, but you're having, you know, the same two-hour experience that someone else is having. But with a video game, you know, modern expectations for games are different. So if you're updating a, an old title, you need to tweak it. Otherwise, it might come off as too hard or too cheap or too difficult to control or... Well, I mean, the other, the other thing, though, is that the, the games are so technology-linked. If you don't have the system for the game, you're flat-out not going to be able to play the game. You know, and, and it's, not like, it's not like video formats, where a video format can stick around for decades. You've only got roughly, generally speaking, a seven-year window to experience any, different, any given game on any given platform. So, like with with you know the Nintendo sixty four Star Fox, that complete aside from the multiplayer at my friend's house, that pretty much passed me by. But now that it's uh, been re released for the three DS, I have an opportunity to play it again from beginning to end and get the full experience. And if you want to play some of the older games in the series, you know, if you have a a Wii, you can play um, Star Fox sixty four. They sell on the Virtual Console. Well, you know, it kind of shocks me that there is no straight-up Star Fox game for the Wii. I would love to be able to fly an R-Wing using the the Wii controller as a real joystick. You know, you'd think that would be the case because they had... What what am I trying to say? Um, You know, like I've played some of the Mario Kart on the Wii. And Mm -hmm. the one thing that works surprisingly well about the controls, you don't have to play the game like this, but if you hold the controller sideways and sort of tilt it, as you're holding the controller, it controls you when you turn. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all motion control. And motion control, right. And if they did that same thing for a Star Fox game as you're spinning your ship around, I think that could be a lot of fun and be a good use Absolutely. of that main uh, hallmark of the, the Wii system. So, yeah, and that, that, is, that is the one thing that – it's not something that frustrates me about the Wii itself. It's something that frustrates me about Wii developers. There is so much potential for that kind of motion control, and yet nobody's doing it. I mean it really is a sin that there's no Star Fox game for that system. Likewise, it's a sin that there's no Swords and Sorcery game for the Wii where you get to stride through hordes of monsters just swinging the, your, your Wiimote and decapitating whole hordes of people. You're casting magic spells or whatever? No, that's a good point. Well, no, I'm thinking it's, I'm more on the sword side of swords and sorcery. I sorcery see. is what the villains have. Swords are what the heroes have. Interesting distinction. I think, um, you know, there's rumors that a new Star Fox game might come out for the Wii U. And uh, I haven't played the Wii U, Nintendo's latest system. I just sort of, well, no, that's not true. I played at a demo unit at a store of the Mario game for it. And while it was fun, I mean, there's so little games on that system that interest me at this point. That I think if they start coming out with a, a new Zelda, a new Star Fox game, that might make uh, more people interested because it's not doing that well as far as sales go. Well, I mean, it is it is it is an established franchise that has some legs. Uh, it you, do do more good flight simulators with it. You're mentioning you've read something like a Star Fox uh, manga. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, th- this was what was published. Uh, this was what was published in uh, Nintendo Power magazine. Oh, I see. And, okay. And it was just various full color, very lushly illustrated. Had a really had a really neat uh, story that told it told the story of the game and then what happened after the game uh, in the last couple of installments, which was really nice. So if we think about these Star Fox games, what's the ideal thing you'd like to see in a new one? Or whatever uh, system I, it would come out on. 
Uh, if if they did a new one, uh, I would like to see. I would like it to be primarily, if not exclusively, you and your R wing. Although I would not be opposed to trying out some different vehicle designs for special missions, uh, I would like to have. Uh, I would like to have some control in customizing the R-Wing. Like, you could pick up power-ups, and you could decide to apply those for better engines, better shields, better lasers, what have you. And then that will, you know, that'll help you out in later missions as you customize your vehicle. Uh, I would also like a balance between, like, the original uh, Box Canyon gameplay and, and missions where you can fly around in all directions. I, I would really like to. I would really like to see that that played with because that was one thing I loved about so many space uh, space flight simulators. You're in outer space, so it's just a void. The only thing you really have to worry about is the other ships that are out there. But one thing I loved about Star Fox was that you were in a real environment that was loaded with stuff. You had to you had to bob and weave and duck and and try to maneuver through these obstacles. If you're going to if you're going to have uh, whether it's going to be the box canyon or whether it's going to be flight in a full 3D in all directions, you need to have lots of, of outer space terrain features to contend with, whether they're asteroids, parts of a decaying space station, uh, or, or what have you. I would like to see in the next Star Fox game to have it be basically all vehicle-based, but I would like some variety in the mission objectives. Like you could still do that same perspective, but I like, for instance, in the game Star Wars Rogue Squadron, how there's always a lot of different like bonus objectives and main objectives. You could replay the level a lot of different times to, uh, to get everything done. Actually, you know what else I, I might like, which might be kind of fun? Uh, not just being on your R-Wing, but if you could be on certain terrestrial vehicles, like a hover bike or hoverboard, that might be a fun variant level. Especially if you have like a whole cityscape to to zip around in at uh, really high speeds. Hmm. Be pretty, uh, yeah, pretty interesting. Oh, but you know something I absolutely loved in the original Star Fox, uh, and this kind of goes into a certain sense of humor that the game had. I love that when you would blow up certain toad ships, and, and if you could blow up a toad ship in just the right way, you would actually see the toad pilot fly out of the ship on an ejector seat and actually sometimes head straight for you. Hmm. It was just a really nice touch. Yeah. Well, I was, it was full of things like that. I've always meant to go back and play Star Fox uh, 64, at least. I really need to get down to that. Because I've heard nothing but great things about that game, and I love the original Star Fox so much. So, what have you been playing, Thrasher? What have I been playing? Oh, well, I have been playing Dead Space 3. I finally picked up my reserved copy. And had you played the other two Dead Space games? Yes, I have. I, I, I very much enjoyed them. What do you think of uh, what you've played so far of Dead Space 3? Well, uh, I think I'm about – I think I am almost at the end. I'm The section of the game I'm in right now really feels like the prelude to a final boss fight. Uh, and, and also the, the, last, the last time I loaded a save game, the progress bar said like 87% complete. I, will, I have this to say about Dead Space 3. It is the funnest incomplete game I've ever played. What do you mean incomplete? Well – the game doesn't seem to want you to have the full experience uh and i'll i'll, I'll tell you i'll 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 tell you what i mean uh 
there's a, there's a co-op play option, which I think is actually pretty cool to include a co-op play option. The problem is there's certain areas of the game you can only access with co-op play. Now, I don't know anybody who uses the PlayStation Gaming Network, so I flat out cannot play these cooperative set, uh, sections with anyone. Uh, and furthermore, uh, because of a series of bad experiences that I've had with uh, Team Fortress 2 and uh, the Left 4 Dead series, I just do not trust random strangers on the internet for cooperative play. I only do cooperative play with people that I that I physically know. Uh Otherwise, it's just too many, you know, just leads to too many bad experiences. Uh, so right then and there, there's a whole section of the game that, that as near as I can tell, I'm just never going to get a chance to play, even though I paid for the fucking thing. Uh, and then two, and this I discovered recently while reading a review of the game, the other, the character, whoever plays co-op with you, they play, they don't play Isaac. They play a different character. Turns out that character has access to different content that the guy playing Isaac doesn't get access to. So to get the full experience, not only do you have to have someone to play the co-op parts with, but you have to be able to play both play through with both the different co-op parts. And you can't play single player as that second character. No, you cannot. I mean, mm. whenever you beat a space uh, a uh, Dead Space game, it does unlock certain features, and I pray that that's a feature that gets unlocked. But I seriously doubt it. I have not seen that mentioned in any review or specifications I've read for the game. And that's just as far as is is game design. It gives you it gives you that, or in terms of the setup, it gives you that incomplete experience. But then taking it further, there's just all these little gaps in the game design that makes me think it was rushed. Like one of the staples of the Dead Space series is that you can use your kinesis module to pick up objects and then fire them as, and then throw them as as wep as improvised weapons, and that's fantastic. And uh, once you get down and there's and the thing is this game is loaded with opportunities for cool kinesis powered uh, improvised weapons and none of them work there's a section where you're going through an excavation site and there's pickaxes lying around everywhere that's the perfect zombie killing weapon but you can't pick up the pickaxes you can't pick up a lot of the crates there's lots of things that i feel you should be able to pick up and play around with that you flat out can't the pickaxes just being the most infuriating. Like in the original in like the original Dead Space, you can actually pick up discarded saw blades and use them as weapons. There's nothing like that in this. There's no interesting debris to play around with. So what's your favorite Dead Space game then? So far the first one. Yeah. I mean the second one is really, really fun, but the first Dead Space game really is just a, a complete work of art and very, very fun to play. And and, and some of that, like I feel like in, in Dead Space Three a lot of that's forgotten. Like a lot of the for instance, there's it's very the resources aren't scarce uh in in Dead Space Three. So I, I have yet to have a moment where I've really been worried about conserving ammo and health. I, I just it's so easy to find and also you can manufacture it they got rid of they got rid of collecting credits uh and shopping for goods now you pick up spare parts and you can craft items which is kind of fun when you make uh when you make your own weapons but for things like getting health and, and pa- stasis packs and things i do kind of find frustrating and a wee bit of a waste of time yeah i kind of wish they would go back to the power node system 
Also, there are moments in the game where Isaac seems to forget he's an engineer. Like when, like, there are certain doors that won't open unless you repair them with tungsten torque bars. But the thing is, you're a goddamn engineer. Surely if you attach the tungsten torque bar to open a door, when you're done with it, you can just retrieve it and use it again. You don't have to make a new one for each damn door. That's a good point. I mean, game balance-wise, I understand why they did it that way. But come up with something aside from a tungsten torque bar, like maybe like a demo charge or override circuit or something. It just seems like a stretch of the imagination that he's just going to leave this important thing behind every time he uses it. And then also, please, please understand, I have enjoyed playing this game. It's just that its flaws I th- are, are very glaring and I think stand as a bad direction for the Dead Space series. And if there's a Dead Space 4, I really hope they bring it more in line with, with the original Dead Space. But um, with the uh, – where was I going? I, I, <laughs> I think you've said your piece on Dead Space 3. and uh... I suppose. Oh, no, the one, the one other thing. You might as well call this game Isaac Fall Down because he's constantly falling down. Hmm. I mean, first it was I first it made sense the first few times, then it got annoying, then it got kind of funny. I'll admit, now I kind of look forward to the moment when he falls down. <laughs> yeah. I've been playing a game and I've played a little bit of it. I've mainly watched my wife play it more cuz we just rented it for a few days. The new uh, Tomb Raider game. Ooh, yeah. How on is the that? Xbox 360, simply called Tomb Raider. It's really good. It, the graphics are perhaps some of the best I've seen this generation. Like, they kind of make everything look a bit more realistic, I think, than in past uh, Tomb Raider games. And it does a, especially in the beginning, it does a neat job of it takes a while before you start um, attacking people. You kind of start like. Uh, Laura Croft, the character, is a bit, you know, she's not like a warrior in the beginning of the movie or in, of the video game. So she kind of uh, takes her time with things. And because of that, it's a nice build up until the real action of the game starts. And I, uh, I uh, appreciated that. And it sort of does flashbacks throughout the story, which is nice as well. And you get... I mean, your main weapons, at the beginning at least, are you have like a pistol and then you have a bow and arrow. And uh, I don't know, just the combat feels real nice. It's nice. It's not just action the whole way through. You got to solve some puzzles and do some tricky jumping throughout. Hmm. And uh, it's rated M. It's, uh, it gets pretty violent at points. On uh, Conan O'Brien, uh, they do a segment called, I think, what is it, Clueless Gamer? Yeah, yeah. I've actually, I've seen some of those segments. I love the one they did on the Halo Reach. Uh-huh, and he did one on uh, on Tomb Raider, where there's a part where Laura Croft falls, and you're going down a a river, and it's really high speed. And if you don't dodge out of the way, she gets stabbed through the neck by like a spike that's sticking out of the water. Ugh. And it's not that like there's blood everywhere necessarily, but just the. Uh... <laughs> The expression on her face is, like, so extreme that when Conan O'Brien played that segment, his, like, jaw dropped and he couldn't say anything for, like, 30 seconds. Um, You get nice, subtle uh, graphic effects in Tomb Raider, such as if there's rain on the screen, you'll see little dots in the foreground. If there's blood, you'll see little dots in the foreground as well that kind of fade away. There's a real nice attention to detail i do think the game is a little bit short my wife even though we rented it my wife managed to beat it in two days 
How much time was she putting into it each day? Uh, you know, I don't know. She took two sick. She took two sick days and then tried to feel better by playing Tomb Raider. So. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's what I've been playing. Um, so hopefully you've enjoyed, uh, listeners, uh, listening to our our discussion of the Star Fox franchise. Even though we had played as many of the games as we had intended. No, um, I, I thought there were only four when I when I had pitched this, all of which I had played. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I discovered that there were several more. Yeah. Um, that I am previously not aware of. If you'd like to support the sequel cast, uh, go to sequelcast.com slash donate to donate to, the, to us via PayPal. Anything's appreciated. And if you go to sequelcast.com, you can check out our cafe press store to get like uh, T-shirts and buttons and whiskey flasks. And you can uh, check out our Amazon links or if you click on those at sequelcast.com next time you do your Amazon shopping, we get a little cut of that every little bit, as always helps. So, um, oh, and also, our theme song may or may not be written and perf- written and performed by me or performed by Matt or by Mark with the C. Uh, I have no idea what their situation no, is. No, <laughs> Thrasher, Mark broadcast. with the C is not doing the theme song for video game sequelcast. Ah, good. He's not. Or bad. Well, he's just not. He's not able to uh, to do it. And he recommended. Gee, I'm gonna have to cut something out again. Okay, that's okay. We we don't, we don't have to like to, to show no. people how all the sausages are made. No, we don't. I'm just very proud of the lyrics I wrote, and I, I hope one day people will be able to hear them. Yeah, uh, keep that sausage secret. As they say, on video I have a secret cats. sausage. Mm. Oh yes, um, Tim Curry. So. Uh, you know, check us out again at SequelCast.com or uh, check out our other shows like SequelCast, uh, SequelCast Special, Sequel Commentary. Uh, check out the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash SequelCast. You can follow me on Twitter at SequelCast. You can follow Thrasher at Internet Mayor. Mm-hmm. And uh, send us an email, SequelCast at gmail.com. Next time on Video Game SequelCast, we'll be talking about the um, the Mario games on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Nice. So that being Super Mario Brothers, uh, Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers 3. And the um in Japan they had a Mario Brothers 2 that was different from the United States one, which that is... wasn't there also Mario Tennis. Oh, Mario um, Cement Factory. Yeah, there's Mario Cement Factory and Mario makes a Dr. Mario, I guess you can lump in there as well. Sort of. We'll have a lot to talk about. A lot of Mario Nintendo stuff to talk about next time on the Video Game Sequel Cast. So, um, for the Video Game Sequel Cast, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Saying... Do a barrel roll. The Video Game Sequel Cast is a Hipster Goblin production.